right, well, welcome, everybody. It's bright and early. Thank you, John, by the way. Hey, you guys just take a second. Thank John for... Thank you. Thank you. So Thomas was wiring me up this morning, and then he, he made the mistake of reminding me that one time they, um, uh, Wagner was wearing this getup, and I think it was the Christmas Eve service or something, he was belting out these Christmas carols, and they'd forgot to mute the mic. And so, you know, he was blasting out over the, over the PA system, and um, so as I was down here, I was like, maybe I should lip sync, because that would not bless you guys to hear me sing, especially this early in the morning, and it would definitely wake you up, for sure. So anyway, um, we'll welcome we're glad that you're here, and um, Blake is traveling and um, teaching, and so he's not with us, and so um, uh, it's just a privilege and joy when I get to come and spend time with you guys up here and with my small group here at Summit. Summit has been huge for me, just in the trajectory of just helping me learn to, to walk in the Word, and so I hope you guys are, are really enjoying it too. So anyway, thanks for that. And by the way, my name is Jeff Ward, and uh, I get to serve here at Watermark on the External Focus team, so just helping folks mobilize and deploy outside these four walls and really take, uh, take the theology to the streets. And so um, happy to answer questions about that later if I can be of help. Okay, so we're in Genesis, as you guys know. And um, let me get this clicker going. Okay, so here's the outline. So if you're tracking along, Isaac is nearing the end of his life. And there's this tension, right? He's got these twin boys, Esau and Jacob. And so if you remember the prophecy, right, that there are two nations in the womb and that the prophecy is, is that the oldest will serve the youngest. And so even as they were born, Jacob's got a hold of Esau's heel, if you remember that, which plays into Jacob's name and um, just foretells um, all that we're uh, reading about with Jacob as the father of the nation of Israel, all right? And then setting up this context, so we've seen this, the quick review is that um, Esau, who's the older son, is entitled to a birthright, so a monetary sort of inheritance as the oldest son, um, and so he gave that up, right? As you guys remember, when he came back from the hunting trip and he was famished and there happened to be some stew there, lentil stew, and uh, I don't know, I guess lentils must be good. I, I wouldn't think that I'd give away anything for a bowl of lentil stew, but Esau does, and so he gives trades away his birthright, and so we get a glimpse of Esau as sort of this impetuous, you know, uh, fly by the seat of your pants guy, if you will, who really doesn't value um, the blessings that he's entitled to as the older brother. So he trades away his birthright. Uh, and then we see how Jacob and his mother, Rebecca, just begin this whole um, ruse, this, this um, deceit and trickery of Isaac. We see a little bit of Isaac going, hey, I know that the, old, that the younger brother is entitled to blessing, but I'm going to go ahead and bless Esau. There was some favoritism there, right? And then you saw this, um, this whole ploy, right, to, to trick Isaac and really get him to then give the spiritual blessing that would be entitled to the older brother to Jacob, also um, the younger son. And so he does that and um, tricks Isaac, receives the blessing. Esau comes back from his hunting trip, and what happens? He realizes that he's got nothing, that he has traded away the birthright, that the blessing has gone to his brother. And so he begins, as you can imagine, he's hopping mad, and he says, I'm going to kill Jacob. And so Rebecca, again, hatches this plan of, hey, how can I get Jacob out of the path, the destructive path of Esau? And so they hatch this plan to go back to Isaac, again, to trick Isaac and, and into letting Jacob leave to go and find a bride from their ancestral land 
and Rebecca's brother Laban is there. And so they hatch this plan, they convince Isaac, uh, and then this whole um, being on the run commences. And as Blake said last week, um, we don't even know that Rebecca ever sees her son again. And so as I was reading this passage, I, I was going, man, you know, this family really puts the fun in dysfunction, right? I mean, w- I mean, we got all got dysfunction in our families, but I was like, this, they've got it in spades. And so um, if you're tracking along with us, um, I hope that you're charting these passages as we go. This is a really helpful way to go back and look at these um, chapters to remind yourself of some of the key events, some of the key verses. And so um, here's the chart. Um, that we just put together for this reading uh, this past week. And so um, chapters 28 and uh, this dream sequence, and um, we're really going to focus on that in our few minutes that I have here. Um, my, my normal proclivity would be to sort of read through this sort of strange dream sequence and get right to the part where Jacob gets what's due, right? I mean, you know, he gets tricked. And as you guys know, uh, he goes on and meets Rachel, uh, at their, in their ancestral land, falls in love with her. Um, in, in scripture, is pretty descriptive. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, falls in love with her, um, works for Laban seven years for her, and then on the wedding night, there's this exchange, and I really don't know, you know, much about Jewish wedding practices, but how you could wake up with a different woman after your, your wedding, um, but it happened. And so Leah, you know, is there, and so there's this uh-oh, you know, moment, and so he realizes he's been tricked, and so uh, then there's this whole process of working for Laban again to get Rachel, and then a whole process of working yet again for another uh, many years to get um, part of the flock from Laban to be in building and restoring wealth. And so um, that's this whole passage, and my, my, again, my normal thing would be to skip through this dream sequence and get right to that part and spend our time there, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to double-click on this passage a little bit and kind of get into it a little bit, and so we're going to focus there. Um, okay, and before we do, I, I, I love these three questions that Blake gave us week one. I mean, these are just ones that you might even just jot down, uh, particularly as you go through the Old Testament, and so... Um, the questions are, number one, what did this mean then? And so try to transport yourself as best you can back in, you know, uh, 2,000 years ago and think, what would a Jewish um, listener or a person in this scene um, be hearing from this passage? And I think, you know, my normal inclination is sort of jump to the New Testament and find Jesus in the Old Testament. And so um, one of the fun things that I do when I get to, when I dive down in some Old Testament passages is, is I've got a few friends who are rabbis um, here in town. And so every now and then I'll shoot out uh, a passage and say, hey, I'm, I'm talking about this or I'm studying this. And so um, they're really great to send me back sort of their Jewish perspective of this. And so, in fact, particularly this dream sequence with Jacob is huge for them. Um, one of the key points in just their history as, as a nation. And so we'll talk a little bit about that um, What does it always mean? So what are the sort of eternal principles coming out of this passage? And then sort of the walking away point, the so what? So what does this mean for me today? And so we're going to talk about all those things, but here we are. So Esau wants to kill Jacob. And so Jacob is on the run. He's alone. He's got to be frightened. I mean, I'm sure he's, he's running. He didn't know, he didn't know if Esau is chasing him, um, you know, to kill him or, or even really what lies ahead for him. And so just try to imagine yourself in those circumstances. And then so he basically falls asleep and, and probably out of exhaustion. Um, and so then he has this dream. 
And so we're not going to spend a lot of time. We're going to talk about a few of the symbols that we see in this dream. And then we're going to talk about mainly what the promises were that God says to Jacob. Because that's really the important part. We can, we can go down a lot of rabbit trails with what these symbols mean. Like even amongst the, the Jewish commentators, um, there's disagreement and a lot of speculation. And so a lot of um, what I'm going to, I'm going to spend just a few minutes and give you a little bit of background on these, on these symbols. But just recognize that a lot of what I'm going about to say is extra biblical. So it's coming from either commentators or folks who've looked into this or even um, my Jewish friends. But there is this concept of a stairway or a ladder, depending on the translation. And clearly, all the scholars agree that this is at least a visible representation of God making a connection to earth, particularly this particular spot where Jacob is, which goes on to become a very important place historically um, for the kingdom of Israel. So there is this concept of a stairway and a ladder. I tried to figure out a way to work in the Led Zeppelin song. I mean, it just kept going in the back of my, my head. I mean, so I couldn't make it work. So we won't go there. But this idea of a stairway, in fact, we know that Jesus is in this because later on in John 1, when he has this exchange with uh, a guy by the name of Nathaniel, as he's calling his disciples, there's this exchange where Nathaniel finally says to him, hey, you're the, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus says back to him that there will come a day, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So we know that Jesus specifically references himself as this ladder, as this mediator, as this reconciliation ultimately um, for all of us between heaven and earth. So you do have that symbolism. Then you have the symbolism of the angels ascending and descending. And so this is interesting. My Jewish friends say that, and we have some of this, we see some of this in Daniel, but that angels were given specific tasks by God. And so uh, one, I mean, there's a, there's a multitude of sort of speculation around this, but some say that um, as he is fleeing Canaan, the angels who are sort of over that territory are, are leaving. They're going back to heaven. And then as he goes into um, his ancestral lands, the angels that are over that province are, are descending to provide protection and encouragement um, to Jacob. Again, Again, we don't know that, that's speculation, but we do know that, that angels are ascending and descending. And then we know, thirdly, that God is at the top of this stairway, or in some translations, to the side of Jacob, but over all of this. Um, and this is really key, because <clears throat> for Jacob, you know, God, um, he had seen God's faith in, in um, the way that he had chosen his grandfather Abraham. So we have the promises to Abraham that we even talked about last week, promises to Isaac. And so they had these um, definite experiences with God, a connection where he was really personal to them. But really, this is the first that we see of a personal connection between Jacob um, and God. And so um, this is where he says, you know, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, but now he becomes the God of Jacob. But let's focus really on what God actually says to Jacob in this dream. And so he makes some promises, some really stunning promises. Um, and you might remember that God made these same promises to, again, to uh, Abraham and Isaac. And let's just read. I'm going to read from the New Living because that's what we have here in our book. But I'm just going to read verses 13 um, on down. And it says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions. 
to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And so here we have a promise of land, right? That God eventually is going to bring him back and give him this land that he's lying on. God also promises these descendants um, as numerous as the dust of the earth. And then thirdly, he says, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, and so there's, again, there's this promise that, that, that his nation will be a blessing to the whole earth. <clears throat> and then he says, what's more, that's all future, but what, what's he doing for him right now? He says, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. So he makes these promises to Jacob. Now, so hold this thought. I'm going to make a little detour here. Okay, so last Tuesday, um, I woke up early and I'm skimming the headlines. I talked to my group about this last week, but um, I'm skimming the headlines and there is this um, story about an island off the coast of South Africa called um, Seal Island. And so it's where all these seals hang out, apparently. Uh, it's also where the great white sharks hang out. Um, and so they, they documented about 2,800 shark attacks on these seals near Seal Island. That's probably an unfortunate name if you're a seal and, and, and you're yeah, being um, chased by great white. But they might as well have just called it the McDonald's for, for um, the great white. But anyway, this is how those stories normally end. It's a bad day for most, right? Um, the seals are, are outnumbered and outgunned. But then here was something unusual. So I'm reading this article, and this is what captured my attention. So this seal, you know, this photojournalist documented this whole, you know, episode with this seal, and he's just riding this great white on the nose and ends up surviving, you know. And, and I, you got to think, you have to wonder about the dismount, right? Like, but he's riding this shark's nose up and down and, and, um, and, and survived. So score one for the seals, right? And so why would I share this crazy story with you as we talk about Jacob? I just thought, hey, if you're Jacob, man, your whole life so far has been just riding this roller coaster up and down, right? Just, man, one deception after another, you know, just this conniving and deceit and ploys, you know, all to chase down these blessings for yourself that really God had already promised, right? And so, um, you know... I think if you're Jacob and you're laying there, you just have to wonder, man, is the shoe about to drop, right? Or in this case, man, are the jaws going to just chomp me and take me under? Because my whole life has been this just deception. Um, And here's the thing. As I was reading this, you know, God meets him at his lowest point. And you don't read in this passage that God says, Jacob, you've screwed up. I mean, he doesn't chide him. He doesn't judge him. He doesn't um, flatten him. In fact, he does just the opposite. And he, he meets him at his lowest point and makes him these promises and just reminds him that he will be with him. And as I read and reread this passage, here's the thing that stood out to me the most. God made this blessing or made these promises of land and descendants And that's where Jacob spent most of his time, right? He was spinning his wheels, riding the shark up and down, you know, to secure birthrights, to secure spiritual blessings. And you know what? The funny part about all that is, is that that was all on God's side. God was the one who was going to provide those blessings. Jacob didn't have to go out there and spend all that time, you know, chasing those blessings. And here is the interesting thing. The actual part of this promise that Jacob really could do anything about is this being a blessing to others, And so what we see in Jacob's life to this point is that he's all about 
chasing the dream, right? The blessings in the land and making sure that he's going to be blessed through descendants. Um, and he doesn't spend, at least to this point that we've seen, any time thinking about, hey, how can I be a blessing, you know, to others? And Jacob is so busy, you know, chasing these other things that he even says here when he wakes up and thought, surely the Lord is in this place, but I did not realize it. And you know, what's interesting is that, um, you know, his role really, guys, was simply to rest and receive, right? Those blessings, to trust and obey. And I thought about this, and, and um, so many times, it, just in my own life, as I look back, man, I, I, you could characterize my life as sort of riding the nose of that shark up and down, man, spinning my wheels, chasing stuff, that God in his sovereignty could choose or not choose to give to me. And, so, and don't hear me say, man, we shouldn't be hard workers and we should be all in. Uh, and Colossians 3 said we should work as unto the Lord. But I think sometimes we get caught up with the first two. Man, how do we acquire for ourselves things and how do we get that promotion and how do we get the, enough money, right, which is a never-ending target. At least it was for me. And so... Um, and in fact, if you're like me, you might even be sitting here right now thinking about the past or the future. So you might be thinking about what happened this morning, what happened with your kids or your wife, um, or you might be thinking about your day later today, all the appointments that you have, the calls to make and all that. And if you're like me, sometimes we can get caught up in all of that and spinning our wheels and forget about just the moment that we're in and the people that God has placed in our path and how we can be a blessing, how we have been blessed to bless others. And so um, if you're like me, sometimes you can feel like a slave to your calendar, right? You got all these appointments and all these things to do. Uh, and, and I would just challenge you guys as we, as we think about time even, you know, I got to share this with the staff just a couple of weeks ago, but this idea of chronos, which is a Greek word for time, which is just sort of the advance of time and feeling like we're um, sort of enslaved by it and so, moving so fast that we miss uh, the Lord in this place. And this whole idea of kairos, right, which is um, more as time as an opportunity. So instead of going, what time is it going, hey, what, what is this time for? Who are the people that are right there in front of you that God has placed you before to be a blessing to. And so if I could leave you guys, and I don't know if that resonates with you guys. It resonates with me, um, even as I struggle with this. And so um, if I could leave you with anything today, it would be this idea and a, a couple of discussion questions that we sent out or that, that are back there for you. But just this whole idea of, man, what ways are you riding the shark and just feeling like, man, you know, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm chasing these things that God and his provision can provide. Instead of really looking at how I can bless and be attentive in the moment to the people that God's placed in your path. And so, man, as we go out of here and we, we, we're in our groups and then as you even go on to work, uh, you know, sometimes if you're like me, you can put productivity before people. And so if the guy, you know, the guy that comes into your office with his coffee mug and he wants to tell you about what happened, uh, you know, with his family last night, and so just being attentive in that moment, going, okay, God, this is a divine interaction, not an interruption, right? In fact, I have, if, I, if I could 30 seconds tell you a quick story, Celestin Musakura uh, is our partner with Alarm over in Africa. 
And I went over to his office um, one day, excuse me, I went over to his office one day to drop off some stuff. We had done a little sale. My, my wife had sold some scarves or something. I was dropping off some money. And um, I was just going to say hi to him while he was there. And I, I looked in his office and he was in there with this group of guys and they were huddled up and you could tell they were talking about a lot of different things. Different country directors were there. And so he kind of looked up and saw me and I said, I said, hey, Celeste. And I said, man, I don't want to interrupt you. I was just dropping off some stuff and, you know, have a good day. And so I was walking down the hall and I heard him go, wait, Brother Jeff, you know, and he stopped everything and he came out and he goes, I'm from Africa. There are no interruptions, you know, and I thought, man, that, that's how I want to be, right? I don't want to ride the shark's nose up and down and forget about, um, you know, forget that God is in this place and in this moment. And so, man, um, how might God use you today to be a blessing to others? And so, man, this, this passage that we memorized, be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act, man, that speaks to me. And so um, anyway, um, pray with me as we walk out of here and go to our small groups that we would um, be attentive today to how God might use us to bless others. Lord God, I just thank you for this group of men. I thank you for their faithfulness to be here, to dive into your word, um, to, to, to read this love letter from you that gives us a window into your character and nature. Lord, I pray that we would learn from Jacob. Lord, that we would be attentive to your work, that we would just stop and rest and stop chasing blessings that you and your um, providence choose to give us. Lord, I pray that we would focus on um, how we can love and serve others with what you have given us, Um, whether our time, our talent, or treasure. Lord, that we would just be vessels um, used by you to bring blessing to others. Um, Lord, you be blessed, honored, and glorified in the coming hour, and um, may we just be um, blessings to others. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If, lastly, if it's your first time here, come on up, and we've got a group for you up here. Thank you, guys.